A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And good morning, our line's open, 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your comments this morning. You can always text or WhatsApp on 0862-103-103. Or indeed, you can tweet this morning at C103Cork. And ahead on this morning's show, well, it probably was uh, the secret that everybody knew over the last few days, uh, but announced officially this morning uh, that Westlife are going to play Parky Cueve uh, for the first time, and that is going to be next year on Friday the 20th of August. It's all part of their Comeback 20 tour. We'll hear more from Westlife and indeed from our reporter in Parky Cueve, Fiona Corcoran, shortly. But if you want tickets to the gig, uh, they go on sale on this coming Friday. That's to come shortly on the show. Also on this morning's programme, It's an agreement that has been reached on the long-going dispute regarding beef in this country and beef prices. And it's been reached between farming organisations and Meat Industry Ireland and the reform, basically, of the Irish beef sector. Now, the Agricultural Minister, Michael Creed, he's confirmed the conclusion of the beef talks in a statement yesterday afternoon. And there's a number of interventions have been brought to the table with this particular agreement. But... However, even though everybody thought it wasn't an agreement, the independent farmers came out late last night and they said they weren't in agreement to this particular decision. And this morning we're told that farmers continue to protest at the ABP plant on the McCroom Road in Bandon. One of the first areas, one of the first factories to start the protest in Cork was at the plant in Bandon and they continue to protest this morning. And of course, these agreements, they won't come into Uh, fruition until all the actual sides that are protesting leave the gates of the factories. But if they continue to protest, well then what will happen is you'll have a situation whereby the talks won't, what they agreed in the talks won't be brought uh, forward and things remain as they are. But it seems that not everybody's happy. And that's why they continue to protest. They are not happy at the big issue, which is to do with price, which many independent farmers say was not discussed yesterday. Now, a beef market task force has also will also be uh, set up. So we'll have to wait and see what happens uh, today with regards to all of this. Anyhow, uh, your calls and comments are welcome. Also, we will hear from those involved in the beef movement plan on indeed what they make and are they happy with the talks? Because it, it seems they are, but it seems the independent farmers are not. Anyhow, uh, we'll discuss that as well on the programme this morning. Also, we're going to hear how Middleton CCTV has been switched off due to GDPR. Basically, it's more to do with how 
the recordings of the footage is being held. Uh, the CCTV, of course, records the ongoings of many towns across Cork. We did highlight this earlier last year when we said when the new rules regarding data protection were coming in, it may affect some towns when it comes to CCTV and Middleton appears to be one of those towns now but more so not regarding the recording but more so regarding how they actually go about storing the data. Anyhow, we're going to hear what exactly uh, the problem is uh, with storage of these particular uh, cameras and indeed videos uh, that they're recording in Middleton. Councillor James O'Connor will join us with the latest on that issue in Middleton. Also, uh, Galway TD, Independent TD, Noel Grealish, he's facing a backlash over comments he made regarding asylum seekers following a local hotel in Oogderard being turned into a centre for accommodation for asylum seekers. Uh, His comments basically were that he felt those coming into this country were sponging off the state. But one of his fellow independent entities here in Cork, Cork South West, West Deputy Michael uh, Collins, he's supporting him. He feels it should be a case that Irish first and everyone else after. Well, uh, your views on that are welcome because we'll be speaking uh, with the independent TD Michael Collins after 11 o'clock on that particular issue. If you agree or you do not agree uh, with Michael's comments on the intake in this country of refugees, uh, these refugees in uh, Galway, which were going to be located in Uchtarard, were from what I can recall anyway of coming from Syria. Uh, we'll, we'll speak with Michael after 11 on that. We're also going to hear about a major beach cleanup that's going to take place across East Cork this weekend. It's part of of the Clean Coasts initiative. So we'll hear about that. And concern in Cork, and nothing really to do here with RTE. Well, it is in a way, but it it isn't that people are worried about RTE leaving Cork totally. It's just looking at Cork as a region and the input from the public service broadcaster has here in Cork. And the fact the last that we want is a Dublin-centric public service broadcaster. And there's fears that the RTE Cork studios could close and the majority of the production from there will move to Dublin. Uh, they could still have a smaller operation in Cork, but it could f- see the likes of some of their big shows then relocating to Dublin. And obviously enough, the big shows will be Nationwide, which is produced in Cork, and also the Today Afternoon show with Maura and Dahi. Now, that speculation's been reported yesterday in the Irish Daily Mail. Uh, they were first with that story, but it has made other papers this morning as well. And RTE have been told to cut costs because of the way revenue has gone in the advertising market over the last number of years. Many say they could do that in other ways and many are asking, is this a knee-jerk reaction to close? If they are going to close the Cork studios, they might just uh, get the operation moved and reduce what they are doing and maybe those production shows I mentioned will remain in Cork. Anyhow, we were speaking with Councillor Des Cannell who was contacted the show. He's quite worried about this from a Cork point of view as it does uh, dilute what regional coverage is given from a public service broadcaster across the island of Ireland. And of course, Annalisa Drizel will join us for our nutritional slot later after 12.30 on the show. Any nutritional questions you have for Annalisa, get them into us now. You can call 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 86 So that and more to come on the show this morning. But let's go back to Parky Cueve. A big announcement this morning uh, in the park. Uh, speculation was rife over the last number of days. And a lot of people, especially yesterday, more or less confirming that it was Westlife. And indeed it was. They will play Parky Cueve next year. They will play on Friday, August 28th. Tickets going on sale next Friday. And let's cross live now to Parky Cueve. Our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran is there for us this morning. Fiona, good morning to you. Good morning. 
JP. How are you? I'm fine. Now, a lot of excitement this morning there from Parky Cueve, and mainly because the worst kept secret in Cork came out. It's, it's probably a city uh, that if you want to keep a secret, it isn't the best place to do so here in Cork. But <laughs> Westlife, the four of them, came on stage. Rumours were there would be only one of them, but they were all there in force, including Louis Walsh was in the park this morning. That's right, JP. Now, um, yesterday, look, speculation had been mounting over the last couple of days since then TV confirmed that there would be an announcement here this morning. And then Westlife themselves posted a video on social media last night saying that they were going to be making a big announcement today. So everybody put two and two together and came up with four. <laughs> and uh, four of them walked into the room this morning. Now, we, we were waiting in the room. Um, it was a conference room up in Parky Queen's. And there was a table set up and there was four microphones on the table and a big poster that had been covered with black sheet. So I think uh, when we saw the four microphones and we had seen the video last night, I think everyone kind of knew it was going to be website. And then at around 20 to 9, um, MTV uh, announced the four, Nikki, Shane, uh, Kian and Mark, and they came into the room and they held um, a press conference, which um, they confirmed that they would be playing Parky Creep on August 28th next and tickets will go on sale on Friday. Now, they're aware I asked would it be a second date and they said that they'll have to wait to see, I suppose, what way the ticket sales go. But, you know, um, Parky Creep would be, what, 40,000 people and I would imagine that they would sell out very quickly and that there would be a second date. I'd be very surprised if there wasn't going to be a second date announced. And can um, they go ahead with a second date, Fiona, with the licensing there for the residents in that area of Blackrock? Well, if you can remember, um, Ed Sheeran said three dates here, so um, I'd say that they would be allowed to say a second date. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I suppose like that's all kind of been uh, discussed beforehand before any of these big announcements are made, and um, I, I, I would imagine that um, that the residents are okay about it. Now, maybe maybe they're not, but um, you know, uh, thinking back to like when Ed Sheeran was here for those three concerts, and indeed Rod Stewart last year, and the amount of business that it brought to Cork over the, those couple of days and the amount of people that came here and there was a great atmosphere in the city. So, you know, I was talking there to um, Aaron Mansworth from um, the Trigon Hotel Group and he was saying that you know, it was a great announcement for Cork. Um, it's going to bring great business to Cork and, you know, if anybody is travelling to Cork for these, for this gig, um, you know, if they want to maybe uh, get online and start booking their hotel rooms ASAP um, because I would imagine that they will sell out fairly quickly. Yeah, a great boost for the city because even I heard Westlife and we'll be hearing from them later in the show but at the press conference I could hear the stream from here that we were feeding and they seemed very excited to be coming to Cork and playing in Cork and even members of the media from Dublin were saying to us that Cork is an up and coming city and there's a lot Mm. of excitement across the country for concerts in Cork whatever vibe there is here in Cork a lot of artists want to come here Yeah, um, Westlife um, like Parky a couple of years ago and they'll be coming back now to Parky Creek which will be the first time in Parky Creek and it'll actually interesting JP that it'll be the first time an Irish act will have headlined a Parky Creek in 27 years the last band was uh, U2 um, so uh, Westlife said that they're really excited about coming here Nicky Byrne uh, the only Dublin member of Westlife the other one's being Sligo he said that they were delighted to be able to take the, the gig out of Dublin and bring it to another part of the country and um, he said that you know he's been getting a bit of stick from the rest of the band because they um, had stayed obviously in Dublin uh, during the summertime there and uh, they were they were I think they were, as a band they were keen to maybe get out of Dublin and and come to somewhere like Cork and they said that you know after playing in the marquee 
um, that there's a great atmosphere here in Cork and they really enjoyed the crowd and they really enjoyed that gig so they're really excited about coming here and they genuinely did seem really excited and they mentioned the fact that um, Parky Cueve has been revamped in the last few years and it's looking great and they're really excited about coming here and bringing their show. Now, they did promise fans who had been to the Parky Creeve concerts over the summer that it would be a different um, and concert. And, that, like, you know, Westlife has been around for 20 years, so they have a huge number of songs that they can fall back on. Um, so I suppose from this concert, there'll be some new songs, but they'll still play all of your favourites. And they were asked, you know, um, what their favourite songs to sing, and they said that they just really enjoy all of their songs. And, you know, um, a lot of uh, weather broke last night that it was possibly worse uh, night. There was a lot of divided um, opinion, I suppose, on social media. A lot of people were very excited to hear that Westlife were coming here. A lot of people were uh, very disappointed and said that they, they weren't a fan of Westlife. But whether you're God or not, I mean, it's going to be amazing to hear, uh, you know, like everybody knows a Westlife song, and when you have 40,000 people here singing the song, it's going to be uh, really atmospheric and. and a huge investment as well, Fiona, for Cork. I mean, there's going to be so many people coming here from all over the country and beyond. It's going to be a huge investment for, for the city and county. Do we know who these support acts uh, are going to be for, for the gig? No, um, no, they, they were asked that and MCB confirmed that there will be a really exciting support act that they will be announcing on Wednesday. So, um, so we'll be expecting an announcement on the support act later this week. Um, and just as well, as uh, mentioned, um, Cork GA presented before Westlife members their own rebel t-shirts with their own <laughs> names on them. Uh, just to say thank you for, for coming here to Cork and uh, the, the lads are very excited about that. So uh, Yeah, because they were gigging last night in London, weren't they? So they left London and yeah. hopefully went to Cork this morning. Um, they left, yeah, they were staying in Hyde Park last night and they left London. Now I understand that they flew into Cork Airport really late last night um, and they stayed somewhere in Cork, I don't know where, but they're, they're here with their families. And um, so they were, you know, understandably a bit tired, I would say, but, um, you know, they're they're used to that kind of lifestyle. And, yeah, they're uh, used to now, flying around uh, the various yeah. parts of the world performing, so n- nothing new for them. And if you want tickets, they go on sale this Friday. And the gig, Fiona, even though there's great excitement, you'll have to wait nearly another year anyhow. It's at the <laughs> end of August next year, Friday, yeah, August, August 28th. 20th. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And I think we'll see the same mayhem as we saw for Rod Stewart and indeed for Ed Sheeran. You'll see the boats on the River Lee. You'll mm-hmm. see the big atmosphere, I'm sure, on Lapsky and the city will gear up for this next year to again put on an impressive performance, not only in the park, but across the whole city and county, which we have done so well for Rod Stewart and indeed for Ed Sheeran. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, like, the businesses here in Cork really come out in force uh, for those two concerts and all the clubs around the city in particular had various different things going on and... Um, you know, the, the weather was nice, so people, uh, everybody was out on the street. And I know there was a bit of um, disappointment and a lot of uh, complaints about uh, getting to and from Parky Creeve because of traffic. But we've had, this will be the third year now to have this kind of an event here. And I'm sure uh, the traffic management agency will be um, looking at it all now and trying to make sure that everything runs as smoothly as possible. Um, so... You know, like they would have learned from mistakes made in the past, and uh, hopefully, we'll everybody will get here and back without any hassle and any problems. Okay, well, Fiona, great excitement this morning, and I know a lot of people really enjoyed the announcements, and you can see that on social media. We'll have pictures up on the C103 Facebook and indeed Instagram from Parky Queef this morning for the moment. Enjoy the rest of the excitement there, Fiona. Are you a Westlife Thank fan, you. by the way? 
Aren't you? No, but well, I thought he would be now. It's a kind of generational <laughs> thing for a lot of people. You would have fit into that generation. You know what? I actually really enjoyed their songs. And they <laughs> seem like really nice fellas. But um, they wouldn't be, you know, and if they're on uh, the radio or whatever, I'd sing along to the songs. But it wouldn't actually go out and try an album. And um, but I'll definitely come to the concert because I think it would be brilliant. And um, even last night, uh, I was talking to some people and um, <laughs> I just told them I was ridiculously excited about coming here this morning. See, we're old enough, but uh, no picture with Keen or Nicky or any of them as yet. They're, they're still around, so you might grab one before they leave Cork. I'll go on the case now, following them. Okay. Well, if you want to enjoy the rest of the excitement there, you are right. A lot of people were very excited overnight about this announcement, but it is good and it shows investment in Cork. For the moment, uh, Fiona uh, from Parky Cueve, thanks for joining us this morning. Our own senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, live from Parky Cueve. And confirming Westlife will play the park on next August 28th with tickets going on sale this coming Friday. We'll find out who supports them later this week. 1850-333-103 lines open on the way. We'll be discussing the agreement reached between the farm organisations and indeed Meat Industry Ireland on the reform of the Irish beef sector. We'll discuss that next. But not everybody's happy. But before we discuss that, we have to play them. Westlife.
Westlife, of course, playing Parky Queeve, and they'll do that next August. And the big announcement made this morning there, as you heard from Fiona, that's one of their big hits, World of Our Own, at C103. Our lines are open, 1850 333 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. A lot of emails, a lot of comments into the programme across the weekend. We'll get to those shortly. But first, I want to go back to a story we've been covering over the last number of weeks, and this is to do with the beef protests that have been happening across the country here in Cork of course at Watergrass Hill in Charnival and in Bandon now there was an agreement reached between the organisations yesterday but not all are happy we'll be speaking with the Beef Movement Plan and to Helen O'Sullivan next Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 Agreements reached between the Meat Industry Ireland representatives and forum organisations in the beef dispute were reached yesterday the talks have ended according to the Agricultural Minister Michael Creed in a statement yesterday he agreed to this they've also agreed a two-strand agreement to reform the Irish beef sector. But is everybody happy? Well, Helen O'Sullivan joins me from Beef Plan Movement. Good morning to you, Helen. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Now, it's been a long battle for farmers and the deal involves a number of interventions, but confusion last night because independent farmers have come out and they are, even though at the start we thought that they were happy, they came out later on in the evening and said they weren't happy with the agreement. So where at the moment does all this sit? Is there an agreement or is there not an agreement? Well, the agreement lies with the farmers, uh, John. So um, there's an awful lot of anger and frustration out there amongst the farmers. Um, you know, they have completely lost any trust in the factories whatsoever. So um, they're not happy with, uh, I suppose the bottom line is they're not happy with what was agreed yesterday. Um, now, there was a price rise given of 20 cent uh, kg in cattle under 30 months. But um, I suppose this price rise isn't much good if there isn't a fixed base price. I suppose what we mean by that then, uh, John, you know, to, to people that aren't familiar with it, um, at the moment, cattle are 3.45 per kg. So even though the factories are saying they're going to give you 20 cent, uh, per kg more, they could come along next week and drop this price to 3.20 per kg. So in effect, you'd be getting the same thing as what you were getting last week. So it's a flexible so, price. It's not a standard price that, that was yeah, said yesterday. So what needs to happen here and what needs to be there to reassure the farmers, they need to agree on um, a fixed base price so that it can drop below this price and then add on the 20 cent that was agreed yesterday. But, I mean, going forward, you know, we know that the farmers are not making cost production here. So that base price will have to be at least a cost production price. 
And why wasn't the price, the base price, discussed yesterday? Because there was a number of steps addressed to look at the imbalances in the sector. Uh, But seemingly, when you read through it, it looks like everybody was happy and everything was agreed. But as you explained it there, it wasn't and price still wasn't mentioned. Yes, um, I suppose, you know, there were some good and bad bad points about yesterday. Um, I suppose the good thing about yesterday is that they agreed on an independent regulator to be put into factories to regulate the trimming, etc., within the factory. A beef market task force will be set up to protect the farmer and a price index model will be set up uh, on e-regulation on price reporting. Um, this, will be, this will be a work in progress. Um, again, price cannot be discussed inside there. Now, the beef plant are now um, a registered producer organisation, which is a great advantage, but no members have joined up to that yet because we were only recently granted that status. So I suppose going forward, um, you know, beef plant will be in a strong position to negotiate price for the farmers. So um, this will be, this will be, like I say, a work in progress. We we have to wait for people to, to join up to this. So price wasn't actually discussed in there yesterday, as far as I'm aware. Um, now, like I said, they got this 20 cent of a price rise, but unless they can agree on a base price, this 20 percent of a of a 20 cent of a price rise isn't going to be, you know, satisfactory enough for the farmers to come off of the picket line. From what I'm hearing. But are you happy with some of the actions in the area of the market transparency and beef promotion that that actually is going to strengthen the position of the farmer in the supply chain they were agreed on yesterday? Are you happy with those proposals? Yes, we are. We are happy with some of the proposals um, put forward. Like I said, it's, it's improving the information along the supply chain, um, you know, going forward in the beef market. But I suppose the bottom line here, John, is, um, you know, even though there were some points agreed, the main point again was the was the price and the. The price is is the one thing that will be you know that will reassure the farmers here. So again, unless there's a base price fixed yesterday, which there wasn't, unfortunately, this twenty cent of a rise that they they said they're going to give is no good because they can drop the base price next week to three twenty and still give you the twenty cent on top of that. So you're still only getting three forty or three forty five. So I think you know the factories like we we have been told that it was hard to get the factory representatives in there the meat industry of Ireland. They, they went in there, they were dragged in there basically. They went on for, you know, all day Saturday, all night, Saturday night, nearly all day Sunday. So it wasn't easy to get this deal. It was, it was a hard ask to get this deal off them. There were seven farm organiz- organisations in there and they felt it was the best they could do at the time. So, um, you know, what needs to happen now is, you know, this was put to the farmers. The farmers are not happy. I mean, to be fair to the farmers, without them, we wouldn't have got this far. At the end of the day, the decision lies with the farmers on the picket lines. These are the people that have put their own lives on hold and their livelihoods at risk. So this, the decision is going to lie with them now um, what to do next. And, you know, I think that there should be respect given to these farmers because without these farmers, there will be an awful lot of jobs lost, as we know. These factory workers that are temporarily laid off will be left gone permanently. Um, you know, there's a lot of other people depending on the farmer. You have the silage contractors, the slurry contractors, the co-op smart. So really and truly, John Paul, the farmers are keeping an awful lot of people in employment and I think it's time that there was respect shown to them. And Helen, last night the Beef Plan Movement Southwest Chairman Dermot O'Brien, he was urging farmers to stand back and allow the agreement yesterday to work. That hasn't happened. This morning we're hearing of farmers, as you mentioned there, they do deserve, deserve respect and they are continuing to be in the picket line at the APP plant in Bandon. So it seems that if they're going to stay out there, the agreement won't go forward. Are you urging farmers as well, like your colleague Dermot O'Brien, to step away from the picket lines? Are you saying that farmers should remain there, but if they remain there, then uh, the agreement won't work? Well, John, you know, that I cannot make that decision for these farmers. It is up to these farmers. Like I said, these are the ones that have, that have got us this far. 
without them we wouldn't be here negotiating this. So they're not going to throw this all away. I mean, they're not happy with the demands that we came back with. So I completely understand where they're coming from. Again, it's like I say, the bottom line, the decision is with the farmer. Uh, so they need to get a cost production. And after yesterday's talk, they will not get a cost production. Now, going forward, like I said, we have this producer organisation set up and running. We're the only uh, farm organisation in the country. We plan to have this. So going forward, this will be a very, very valuable tool for negotiating prices for these farmers with individual factories. But at the moment, it stands with the Minister for Agriculture. We have Meat Industry Ireland and some of the farm organisations coming out saying an agreement has been made. But this morning now, basically, you're saying, well, it really hasn't been made. So are you going to, are farmers going to remain at the picket line for another two, three, four weeks? Do you go back to the tables and again meet the meat industry and the Minister for Agriculture? Because they could say to you, we've made an agreement. Um, well, I suppose, again, like I've mentioned, um, John Paul, the agreement, actually, there's nothing agreed until the farmers have, have it agreed. This was always the case that the farm organisations would take it back to the farmers that are on the picket lines, and they haven't agreed to it. And I can understand why, because they're still going to be below cost production, and they cannot carry on their business this way. So it is up to every individual farmers to, um, you know, make their own decision on this. Like so I said, is, it a, is, is it an individual farmer decision, as in will each farmer make his own decision, or will Beef Plan basically say, no, we're not happy with this, we want to go back to talks? How would it work now? Well, I think uh, the way it's working out, it's up to the farmers that are on the picket line. And so what about your own organisation? What, what about Beef Plan? Are you happy with the agreement? Well, I would have been a lot happier, personally myself, if we were able to get uh, a base price agreed. Unfortunately, it wasn't. It was a hard task in there over the weekend to get what we got. Um, I suppose this is going to be work in progress. You know, it's not going to be fixed overnight. We'll have to take every bit as we get. This is all we can get for the moment, John Paul. We are not finished. You know, like I say, it's a work in progress. We will be carrying on to fight for the farmer. So, um, so do you go back to the table, so, or is it the individual farmer group who appears to be, is that a separate group outside of your own group? Will they be going back to the table and meeting all you guys? How, how will this work? Well, the, well, that's a good question. They are a separate group themselves. The farmers are independent farmers out there in the picket lines themselves. So Beef Plan no longer are representing them because of the whole legal situation hanging over, you know, um, their their organisation at the moment. So that's when this other individual farm group came along. So I suppose they are, they are representing them at the moment and they have said that they neither accept or reject the deal. But again, I'll go back to what was said yesterday. They said an agreement was reached. So if you guys in Beef Plan leaving out the individual farmers for the moment, if you're happy, could you see a situation whereby the Meat Industry Ireland and farm organisations will move on with, with what was agreed yesterday and the individual farmers will be just left protests well, or left outside the whole group? Well, I can't see that they can move on, um, John Paul, because you see it was always going to be brought back to the farmers. It was always going to be left to the farmers' decision. And that was agreed yesterday in, in the talks, as far as I'm aware, that it'll be brought to the farmers. And if they don't agree in this, then there's no agreement. So basically, even though people are coming out saying there was an agreement, at this stage, this morning, you're saying nothing is agreed, basically? As far as I'm aware, it was not agreed. If the farmers aren't happy, you know, at the end of the day, it lies with the farmer. It's their livelihood that are at risk. So where do we go from here? I mean, do we keep, do the farmers have to stay outside all these factories until they actually get what they want, which is an increase in in base price? And can you ever see that happening? Because uh, the retailers, where were the retailers yesterday in all of this? Well, that's a good point. The retailers didn't even bother showing up, John Paul, you know, and they are a huge uh, factor in this as well. Also, uh, they're getting 50% of the market price here. So I I don't understand how come they didn't come to the talks. I think it was imperative that they should have been there. I think going forward now, um, the individual farms themselves will possibly have to deal maybe with individual factors themselves and try and agree on a base uh, price. Because, um, you know, if they don't get a base price, all the price rises are no good to them, you know, that they're being promised because 
you know, if the factory dropped the price next week, like I say, down by 20 cents, should they're back to square one again. So, again, like I say, it's, it's down to the farmers. These are the ones that are on the picket lines day and night. There's huge um, credit given to them for what they've done and to how far they've come to this. This is a huge stepping stone now. And if they, if they can get this across the line, you know, if they can just get what they're looking for here is a cost production plus a margin. But it's the and individual it, farmers will have to meet the owners of the factories and negotiate this at this stage. Is that what you're saying? Well, possibly. I mean, you know, it is their protest now. It is an individual farmer's protest. So it is up to them now. Like, you know, the, the decision does lie with them. So going forward, it may be a solution for them is to meet with these individual factories in their own areas. If the Meat Industry of Ireland themselves, the head person, Cormac Healy, doesn't want to engage with them, maybe this is a possibility for those farmers. Because the way it is at the moment, um, John Paul, they cannot accept this deal that is given to them. They're very angry and frustrated. They're worn out. They're tired. They want to get on with their own life. They can't do that. They're there by choice. Um, because if, if they don't get um, a deal this time that will suit the farmers this time, John Paul, these farmers are going out of business for good. They have no choice. But how long more can they keep doing this, Helen? I mean, how long more can farmers stay away from their farms and stay outside these factories protesting? Everybody thought that from yesterday's agreement initially that everything was more or less going to be sorted until we found out about the whole base price. And then we heard last night that the individual farmers were unhappy. So we're back again to where we were a few weeks ago. So nothing has really changed for them. But how long more can they go on? I mean, it's gone on enough. Uh, It's nearly a month at this stage, if not longer. How yeah, long more can you feasibility can farmers keep going on? I mean, I, I, a lot of text people coming in here who are angry at the beef plan and say the beef plan no longer represents the farmers. The, a text from Anne who sums up a lot of text coming in saying that the beef plan had meetings two meetings and they failed the IFA are in basically in bed with the factories and says so why should they then represent any farmer I hear the British farmers have the same problem so I think we should all stick together so can you see any outcome with this or or will the protests go on for a number of months to come well I suppose there John Paul I suppose how long is a piece of string it's hard to know we within their uh, beef plan within there with the other six other farm organisations it's not just us that have um, gone in and kind of, you know, not bought back what the farmers wanted. But we've we've done our best, I suppose. We were the, initially the ones to start off the, the whole protesting that, you know, that got this kind of started. And unfortunately, due to legal reasons, then our hands are tied. So, um, you know, they were put under a lot of pressure inside in the talks over the weekend. Uh, they felt at the time that's all that they could get. Um, the, the meat industry, it was a big deal to get them into the room. They weren't going to give in easily, as you can see. Um, so, but I mean, I think going forward, the fact that we are now a registered producer organisation, that will help the farmers in a, in a big way because we can then negotiate state prices for them to, at individual factories. So that's a huge plus. The, other, the IFA had been offered this three years ago and they turned it down. So, I mean, now we've got the status and we will be able to help them going forward. Um, you know, it's, it's very hard. The factories, this problem has been going on an awful long time, John Paul. So we... You know, we're not going to be able to get a result, you know, above these other organisations that have been there for a number of years. They can't just come around and click their fingers and say, OK, beef plan, we'll give, you know, we'll give you this, this and this. That's not going to happen, unfortunately. But like I said, it's a work in progress. And, we, you know, we're going to try the best we can to keep on going and trying to get a fair deal for the farmers. So you will meet again with with the Meat Industry Ireland and you will meet with the Agricultural Minister so and try and get a better base price. That's what you were saying. But for the meantime, the individual farmers, it's up to them in the meantime to meet with the factories they are protesting outside and see if they can arrange something themselves. Is that where we basically are? Uh, Possibly that could be a solution. This is, you know... um, like I said, there were seven farm organisations went in over the weekend. You know, the farmers are not happy with the outcome of that. So now I suppose they'll just have to try and, and possibly broker a deal themselves on the picket lines. 
you know, it, it might be a solution maybe and try and get a base price and we can work on from there. But you yourselves in the beef plan, you will work also on increasing the base price. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we will definitely, I mean, we, you know, we will have the best way that we can. Because you know, out of everything yesterday, that seems to be the big problem is the base price. I know there's there are problems as well with the grading, but the base price seemed to be the biggest issue from what we're hearing anyhow uh, from the agreement yesterday. Yes, uh, like once once we can get a base price that will cover the cost of production, John Paul, then, you know, that will, you know, finally then that will put farmers' minds to ease because they cannot just carry on working the way they are. It's just any business, any business in town, a shop or, you know, whatever, they could not sustain that. They would close, the, close their doors straight away. So it's, it has now come to this to the farmers. They've gone on for years not making money. This has gone on for a long time, John Paul. So, it is, you know, this is the final nail in the coffin now with the cost of production gone way down. Uh, uh, the cost of production has soared, sorry, and what they're getting from factories has gone way down to 345. It's way below cost. Do you know what I mean? It's costing on 538 to produce a kg of meat for the farmers. So they just can't sustain this, you know. So they've come to this point now where there's no going back because they, they have nothing more to lose. Yeah, you know? so they, they, they will keep going with what they're they doing so at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, they'll have to because, you know, if... If they can't get this now, it has never come to this before. And if they can't get it now, they may never get it. So, so it I continues. Now or never. It continues. So basically, uh, for the moment, Helen, thanks for joining us uh, this morning there. We we'll, we know there is protests going on in Bandon this morning still. And I'm sure uh, they will continue in the other sites we've covered in Cork over the last while, in Charnival and in Watergrass. So your views are welcome on that. Um, thanks to Helen O'Sullivan joining us from the Beef Plan Movement. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 86 an agreement was reached, but an overall agreement wasn't reached when farmers still are looking for an increase in base price, which is the big thing they're looking for. And that wasn't agreed yesterday overall. Again, the beef plan might be able to do something uh, with that in the future as they can now talk price. Anyhow, your views are welcome. A lot of comments uh, coming in on that. We'll get to those. But next, we're going to hear why the CCTV in Middleton has been switched off. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 The East Cork Journal is reporting that the town of Middleton has been forced to switch off its new CCTV cameras over a dispute as to who controlled the data feed. Uh, local Fianna Fáil councillor James O'Connor joins me on this. Good morning to you, James. Good morning and good morning to your listeners. Now, we did raise this issue last year on the show and this was over the new EU data protection laws and people were worried that this would interfere with CCTV. And a lot of these questions were asked and nothing really became of it until now. I'm not too sure if other towns have been affected by this, but what's the problem here? Is it the filming, the actual filming of people on the streets or is it the control who controls the storage of the actual footage? So it's a very, very complex legal uh, matter because basically, firstly, um, there's been a small bit of uh, a small bit of misinformation in, in what was printed that the cameras have not been switched off um, as such. But the issue is that the footage that the cameras are, are showing cannot actually be recorded and used. So if they spot something that's a, a crime that's after taking place, whether it is on Middleton Main Street or any other locations where the where, where the cameras are located, that footage cannot then be used because it's not recorded. And that is because of GDPR and for data privacy. So uh, with the GDPR legislation that was brought in, um, there's many different articles throughout that legislation, Article 6 um, in particular, like about the, nece- the, nece- the necessity and the portionality, proportionality of CCTV systems. Um, it's it, it, it just created extra difficulties for 
the new schemes that have been rolled out. And with the storage of the footage, is this because people might feel that they've been impacted in some way legally because of the fact that their image or, or them on screen has been stored somewhere and that really breaches their own data? Isn't that what really is the legal legality here on this? Yes, so that that, that, that is it. And even for the um even for the schemes to be to be rolled out to the CCTV schemes that were they, they were first introduced under Pubble and Pubble is the organisation that works to support communities and local agencies and, and things like social inclusion and development. Uh, these schemes are rolled out. There's been over one million euros of funding was provided um, under the Constance by agreement with with Fall and Finnegale. See these schemes being rolled out, but nobody foresaw this issue happening. That the that that's the, the big issue is the fact that they cannot be recorded and B then is the data protection impact. So if you're walking down the street um, and you're recorded by these cameras, you know your 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 data is impacted. Like your data is impacted as a result of that. But you have two things: you have a data controller. So for people who wouldn't be familiar with the terminology here, um, the data controller would be the individual that actually captures the images and and, and actually stores them. And that's the big issue here. Like we have an argument going on between councils throughout the country and the Gardaí Shikana as to who the data controller should be. Look, in my opinion, it should be to the Gardaí. They have the resources, the legal aid to back up the schemes. They should be the ones in charge of all of these schemes because the actual systems themselves are located in the Gardaí stations. Yeah, and you would think the Gardaí are there to control the law and, and monitor things, so you think they would be the obvious choice uh, to protect the data of those on the streets and those who are infringed by this. Do we know if other towns have been affected by this here in Cork or is Middleton the first example? Yes, in, 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 in Kildare County Council, they've actually there's the, the decision I'm going there about about the, the, the actual droppings of CCTV that or the CCTV feeds that exist because of GDPR. So there's about a hundred um, different cameras that are working there in, in the traffic management system, and it, there, there, there's talks of them actually being being closed as a result of this. So it is a major issue nationwide. I had actually got a very good opportunity to speak to some of the members of Angarda Shiakana when our Justice Equality spokesperson from Fianna Fáil, Jim O'Callaghan, came with me to campaign in Middleton. And uh, we actually got an insight into these systems. They're, they're, they're very, very good. So if, if crime is reported, if there's some situation is ongoing, if somebody in the guard station can track the culprit of the crime. Yeah, so they, they are preventing they crime. Been, they have been proven to prevent crime over the past. So they're doing exactly. what they should do. But where do we go now from here if the guard, you're just looking at them live and not the recording. So if I see something in Middleton that happened at 3 a.m. on a Friday night, uh, they can go back and check that. They can't do that now. So what steps are being taken now to make sure that they can have those recordings operating at the guard station in Middleton? So basically what happens, we need one data controller nationwide because 28 out of the 31 local authorities in the country are their own data are their, their, their own data controllers. That's not right because that's costing the taxpayer a fortune annually. So we have to have one data control system run by Ingar the Shia or else an agency set up to actually monitor data in relation to CCTV. I think it's unacceptable the fact that this has actually put 28 local authorities in Ireland as a currently spend um, at risk of being of of of, of, of um, at risk of committing crime, you know, and they they can be liable for 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 breaches of data privacy. Like in Kildare County Council, they're actually they're, they're worried they could be fined up to one million euros for each of the breaches that, that that have been disclosed. And look, unfortunately, like these systems are needed; they're necessary. But we have to put the legislation in place and the infrastructure in place around uh, data collection and gathering that is, that, that is actually up to scratch with data protection laws. Any you know? timelines on that? How, how soon that can be done? 
Well, it can't be done at the local authority level. It has to be done by the department. So that could take a good bit of time to get legislation passed through unless they, they rush it through, which they can do for some things, I suppose. Uh, for the moment, James, we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us this morning. We'll keep updated on what will happen with that. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply situation which we said would last year when those new GDPR rules came in that's Councillor James O'Connor there joining us from East Cork your calls are welcome 1850 more of your calls and comments also discussing the comments from a Galway TD on what he said regarding asylum seekers coming into this particular country and we'll hear from Westlife that are more to come C103 it's Cork today John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger with you right through until one Bernie takes your comments 1850 or indeed you can text to WhatsApp 0862103103 you can email uh, jp at c103.ie or indeed uh, you can tweet at c103cork now we had a lot of calls in regarding our chat with Helen O'Sullivan on the what well, it was an agreement we were led to believe reached yesterday uh, between farm organisations and indeed the meat industry of Ireland along with the agricultural minister Michael Creed and it seems that while earlier yesterday afternoon that we thought there was an agreement made uh, individual farmers are not happy because of the ongoing issue of the base price for beef and that's what they want sorted but it wasn't sorted so protests continue across beef f- or meat factories in not only here in Cork but across the country this morning uh, we're led to believe uh, the protests still continue in Bandon. Not sure if that is happening in other factories in Cork, but Bandon are still out protesting this morning and the agreements that were made won't come into agreement until everybody is happy, which they are not. So uh, with regards to that, we got a lot of calls in asking about the four movement rule, which was also an issue for farmers, but nothing has changed on that. So for those people inquiring, was that mentioned at the meeting yesterday? It wasn't. Uh, now the farmers will have to either speak to individual factories themselves or I'm, well, no one really knows will it go back to the table again it's going back to the base price which is what they wanted and they didn't get that so uh, just some of your calls and comments in regarding uh, the farmers and indeed what they want regarding beef prices first of all and we did speak to workers in those factories, some who have been let go because there isn't animals coming into those particular factories, uh, those meat factories. So with no animals coming in, obviously, there's no work for those working there. And the texter here is saying, I'm outraged at this stage listening to the farmers. My husband works in the meat factory and has done so all his life on very basic pay and now has no work for over two weeks. We have nothing coming in and nobody is thinking of the workers in the factories." is that particular text there. Another text 
Lisa saying morning John Paul what about all the great years the farmers have had they're not talking about that at all just about their current situation uh, so that particular text or no name on that one but another texter says bring back the slaughter premium and the circular cow premium of 200 across the board like it was in the old days that would be a better solution for the farmers uh, and a lot of people unhappy uh, from the farming community of what came out from those talks yesterday they presume that one texter says here Helen uh, we presume that with the beef plan when they had an agreement they could discuss pricing that the base price would be discussed but it wasn't and that is why individual farmers remain at the picket line without having a base price there's no point going back uh, to the farmyard without discussing this with the factories simply because they can change the price inside we need a base price and that's what we will continue to fight for farmers will remain on the picket line until we get our base price and a lot of other people from the farming community texting in with those similar comments your comments are welcome 1850 333103 or indeed text or whatsapp 0862103103 and when it comes to CCTV and this is reacting to a story from Middleton whereby the CCTV has been shut off in Middleton. Well, not shut off, it's still filming, but the footage isn't being recorded because of data protection. Something we did say last year would happen when the GDPR came in. And basically what's happening is the Gardaí have access to the footage. They can see it live, so they can see things happening as they are live happening on the street. But if I go in and say something was broken or something was smashed in or my car was damaged at 3am on a Friday or Saturday morning they now can't go back and check that because they're not recording all because of data protection so that is going to hinder crime uh, in not only Middleton but also other areas of Ireland where this has happened you heard Councillor James O'Connor mention Kildare where they're having problems this is with traffic cameras and whether people like the CCTV cameras or not they are used majority, well, they are only used to prevent crime in an area and to check back on crime they have solved crime in the past now they cannot record the footage so you, unless you're catching somebody in the act is there a, a, a point even having them and I suppose at least you have the, the live feed anyhow anyhow Heidi, Heidi says uh, good morning on your mobile phone you have a camera but also on your mobile phone where you have been and what you buy is all recorded so what's all the fuss with CCTV as you can't move in the UK and most other countries without yourself being on CCTV also the internet tracks what you do so what are people so worried about says Heidi and that's true on your mobile phone you might not know this but uh, whether you have an Android device uh, or an iPhone uh, Apple device everything you do if your location is on where you go is recorded and there's depending on your phone every phone is different you can go into your settings and you can check where you were on a certain day and if you were driving from Dublin to Cork uh, that is all mapped out on a map and you can see where you went into what shops you went into everything is recorded on your phone which of course in is going into the data of the phone companies or the um, phone providers anyhow uh, or the likes of Google and Apple and all of those so Heidi is saying if people are so worried about CCTV look at your own mobile phone and Julie says I worked as a clerk in McCroom previously and McCroom Garda Station have all new high tech CCTV camera footage for the whole town they are highly invasive cameras everywhere on every street and people don't have a clue what about all this footage of people going about their daily business where is it being stored and how long is it being kept says Julie well that's one of the reasons why Middleton has been switched off because of that data protection issue 
And a texter here is saying that um, what, what James was saying about the footage being stored in Garda stations, this texter is saying that it's wrong that the images are being recorded on council premises and controlled by the Road Safety Authority. Uh, not too sure if every town is different, but according to them in Middleton, uh, the footage they can see in the actual Garda station, as according to Julie on text as well in McCroom Garda station, they can see this, the CCTV and footage from around the whole town. So that would let to believe, even though I, I'm not too sure who controls or who owns it but the footage is from two people in the know is being held in Garda stations and then when it's being recorded maybe then the RSA have some impact in that uh, or indeed the council have the council would control I suppose as James was saying the data side of it but it's the storage of the data is the problem with the recording and that's where the problem lies in Middleton anyhow uh, thank you for your text on those just some of the texts coming in on those particular issues keep them coming 1850 333 103 on phone to Bernie or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and Tim on text when we were speaking about Westlife earlier and of course they'll come into Cork more on them in a few minutes but uh, Tim was saying Nicky Byrne of course who is uh, Bertie the former Taoiseach of this country Bertie O'Hearn's son-in-law he played as a goalkeeper with Cove Ramblers now I knew Nicky was involved in soccer but I wasn't too sure of the Cove Ramblers connection anyhow um, like a dissident farmer Tim says I am opposed to the concert in Parky Cueve as I am to suggestions of a rugby match in the pitch after just being restored says Tim his view on concerts in Parky Cueve. Well, a lot of people are in favour of concerts coming to Parky Cueve. They feel they're a huge boost for the Cork community, not only Cork City, but right across the county as well. And where you would have heard Westlife earlier speaking about coming to Cork and the excitement of coming to Cork. One question that was asked at the press conference, something people might not have thought about. They've been together a while. They split up. They're back together now again. And for the last while, they're hanging around each other a lot. And as you get older, some people well, they're more open to speak the truth as they get older and you you just tolerate it less as you get older as well. And it was asked now, as the lads are much older, they're all in their 40s now, how are they today getting on with each other as they're touring around the various countries along with their families? How are they interacting with each other? And this was the lads' response this morning uh, to our reporter at Parky do, do you know what? Honestly, we're, we're getting on the best we've ever got on as a band. I really mean that. You know, we're all this week we were in London doing lots of international promo for our album and stuff and obviously announcing Wembley as well as Wembley Stadium um, and we went for dinner every night with each other just the four of us we, myself, we went to the cinema one night um, good, good movie actually but we are we're getting on great um, and I think being away from the band for so long after we split up I think we we were away for so long we started to miss the band again you know we started to miss each other and miss each other's company um, and since we've come back it's probably been the most enjoyable year in Westlife that we've had and we're so excited because everything we get to do now at this level, we, we didn't anticipate the level um, of success in the last year. We didn't think it would be that. It, it was kind of overwhelming. Um, the Crow Park shows were probably the two best shows we've ever put on, we feel. Um, so now we want to up that again. And Parker Cueve is, is the, next, the next, as Mark said, the Beast Book show. There we are. That is the reaction, Westlife. They do get together still and they do... 
they do get on despite them being older and despite them uh, when you get a bit older seemingly you get less tolerant but they all get on anyhow they'll, they'll say that anyhow uh, Westlife of course uh, are playing Parky Cueve next Friday August 28th tickets go on sale this Friday and we'll be hearing who their support act is later in the week yeah, a lot of comments coming in too on fuel prices because of what is coming out from the Middle East overnight I'll get to those as well shortly but on the way we are going discussing and uh, this was a story from across the weekend uh, this is Noel Grealish the independent Galway TD he's facing a backlash over comments he made regarding asylum seekers following a local hotel in Uchtdraad in County Galway being turned into a centre for accommodation for asylum seekers now similar has happened here in Cork in McCroom in the last number of months where initially people uh, were concerned because they basically weren't told what was going on it seems now no, that everybody is still happy. People are still uh, had their concerns uh, over asylum seekers coming to McCroom, but overall, there is an integration in the society of those asylum seekers in McCroom, with children going to the local schools and many asylum seekers helping out with the local Taddy Towns group. So they are integrating into society, but a lot of people were concerned over the fact that more or less this happened overnight and the community weren't told. Similar concerns in Oak Gerard, but uh, the independent city there in Galway, he felt that those asylum seekers coming to this country, uh, his words were, they were sponging off the state. Well, we'll speak with the Cork South West Independent Deputy Michael Collins, who is supporting him, as he feels there should be a case here in this country of Irish first and everyone else after. We'll speak with Michael Collins on his comments next. C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot opportunities, including a secretary required for Inascara Community Employment Scheme. Contact Sarah uh, for more information there on 021-348-4444. Full-time and part-time waiting staff and front-of-house supervisor and a kitchen assistant if they're wanted for a new restaurant in Clonacilty. Email eat at indulgerestaurant.ie and a full-time office administrator is wanted in the Mallow area. Must be able to do account software, Excel, organise staff and work schedules and also liaise with customers. You can phone there for further info on 87 369 And that's C103 Jobs, updated across the afternoon with Nick and Martina and you'll find all the details and more job opportunities now. If you go online, just go to c103.ie forward slash job. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Last week, a Galway TD claimed that asylum seekers coming into this country are sponging off the system. Galway West Deputy Noel Grealish has been asked to apologise for his remarks but some of his fellow independent deputies are calling for an apology. Uh, one being from Cork South West Deputy Michael Collins who joins me because a lot of the independent TDs in rural areas are in support of Noel Grealish and feels he has nothing uh, to apologise for. Michael joins me. Good morning to you Michael. Come on, jump out. Uh, first of all, this follows on from a meeting in Uchtdorard whereby local hotel there, the Connemara Gateway Hotel, is to be used to house asylum seekers. He doesn't agree with it. We had similar here in McCroom a few weeks ago. The This was to do with the Riverside Park Hotel in McCroom. Now those asylum seekers there have integrated into the society in McCroom. Children going to the local schools and we have those in the hotel now who are helping out with local voluntary organisations like the Tuddy Towns. So, so I'm sure people still have concerns in McCroom but overall there seems to be integration there in a good way in McCroom do you feel looking what has happened here in Cork that his remarks were correct because you have stood by him on this 
Well, uh, Noel is a very experienced politician, and, um, and and in saying that, sometimes in the heat of the moment, you might say something, you know, that you maybe look back and um, maybe you shouldn't have said. Maybe the sponging word was a bit uh, a bit strong. But in saying that, I think more uh, listening to and, and listening to what he had to say, there's more of the way the system works in this country that it's wrong. You know, you look at hotels uh, that are taking uh, the, the refugees, the Syrians or whatever from abroad. They're signing contracts with these hotel owners, the state are. The community, the local community are not aware of these contracts being signed. And then it is communicated out to the people when all this is done that uh, these there could be 50, 60 people coming into a community that may not have the services that are needed uh, for, to provide for these people. And I think that that's where Noel, and of course it, it, it honed in on one word, I think that's where Noel is trying to get that message across that this, that, that, that community, you know, wasn't really suitable for an influx of people. And John Paul, you know, during the programme for Government, I spoke very strongly about rural resettlement. And, and this is an ideal situation where rural, if it was ran properly, where maybe one or two families could be brought into a rural community, but not 50 uh, families uh, brought into a community. It's, it, it, it's, it's most difficult on the families themselves. It's most difficult on the community that they come to. And it, 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 it brings lots of problems down the road as, as time goes on. And would you agree, because on the papers across the weekend, you were quoted as to say that while you support him, you would agree with the fact that he should have Irish first and everyone else second. Some would That's disagree true. with that. Well, I tell you, John Paul, you know, I suppose I spent a lot of my time in Dublin and um, and, and, and obviously in Cork as well. Um, and I meet people, loads, lots of people homeless in the street and I spend some time talking to them. Irish people homeless on the streets of Dublin, begging for food, begging for money. Uh, to, and money is simply that they could stay in the local internet cafe because they don't they won't be provided a room they don't have funding for that and I'm just there saying how are we uh, talking about bringing you know so many thousand people maybe into this country and and providing hotel rooms and when we haven't looked after our own people why are our own people hungry in the street I have given money to people above in Dublin continuously and I have seen them because in some cases I'm more worried in case they're used for the wrong purposes the money I gave them but I've seen them because they've told me they're starving and they goes into the local chipper. I've watched them, and they to buy the food. And we haven't looked after our own people. And here we are looking throughout the world to look after the world first. Look after our own people first. And then, when that issue is sorted, let's start. Let's start looking at 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 at, at people from across the world. You look at issues every week in my clinic. There's people coming to me telling me they're losing their homes. They've lost their homes. They're sleeping in vans. They're sleeping in cars. We haven't looked after our own people. So we're 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 putting a beautiful image throughout the, the rest of the world that we're going to look after the people of the rest of the world we haven't looked after our own people here at home and that has to be a priority going forward in this, in this, in this, in this government And would you like some Michael, rule Michael that you would see in other countries I know when I was in Australia there was a rule and this would be moving away slightly from migrants or asylum seekers but it would be for those coming to live in the country that if you were going for example for a job there had to be a, a same or similar job or similar position there for an Australian before anybody outside of Australia could get that job so if I was going for example for a, a radio job in a radio station for a producer in Australia there had to be no other person from Australia going for that job it would be Australian first everybody else second would you like that type of rule to be brought into Ireland and give everybody in Ireland a chance and then if people want to come and live here well you're welcome to once the Irish have their jobs and have their lives sorted first more or less by what you were saying but to implement that particular rule 
I, maybe something on that line, John Paul, but there's also the other situation in Australia and places like that. They have to learn the, uh, the, our own culture uh, before they're brought into the country and welcomed into the country. And that's going to be very important going forward because we're losing our culture here very, very quickly. And people see that time and time again that we're made take down our religious uh, statues or whatever. You know, we're losing our, we're losing who we are, and we shouldn't be ashamed of who we are. I'm not ashamed of who I am. And I certainly, and I mean, don't anyone tell me that I'm racist, because that's what's going to be thrown out there, because I have a different, slightly different viewpoint. I don't say that we should lock the doors and not bring in people. I'm just saying we don't bring in the influx or the heavy influx of people into local and rural communities. We have communities where the schools are losing numbers, where the shops being closed, and there has been no proper rural resettlement program. We have we could be accommodating people from Dublin that are homeless in West Cork. We could be accommodating people from abroad in small numbers, but not in the high influx of numbers going forward. And we remember, John Paul, we have our own history. You know, we how many people from my own community immigrated, and they immigrated, and they were treated very, very poorly abroad. And 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 we actually are bringing people in here. We're giving them absolutely pittance. They're not allowed work. And I know, I know in some situations they're hungry in direct provisions and they're not, we're treating them very badly here. And I think people are looking at this, it's, it's a case of bring them in and once they're in, close door, move away, we don't have to worry about them anymore. That's not the way it, it should be. They should be treated humanely if they're brought in here, but not, as I say, brought into communities in high influx. And as I said to you, situation where hotel owners are signing up to contracts with, 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 with the government and the local people know nothing about it until there's, until there's a done and dusted deal. That's totally wrong. That's where it should be communicated out to people first. Educate the people, make sure that the people come in, learn a little bit of our culture and everything, everybody working and, and in, uh, integrating together going forward. Yeah, I do think you're right regarding direct provision. I, I think in about 10 or 20 years time, people will look back and realise how badly we treated those people, bring, allowing them first of all to come into this country and then more or less, as you said, lock them in, in hotels. Uh, a lot of people feel there's the money to be made out of this though. A lot of people, a lot of business people are looking at this prospect and purchasing hotels because they know it's a money maker because the government are paying those particular business people they are unfortunately um, and, and I'd worry you know in, a, in an era that, that, that where people aren't maybe the hotels aren't turning over the, the revenue that they should that people might find this is an easy way out uh, going forward but and and rural communities, you know, taking a high influx of, of people like from Syria or wherever abroad, it's going to be, it's quite worrying going forward, especially the way they're, they're treated when they come in here. But we also, and I said, and I've st- stood over this, we're bringing all those extra people in on top of a health system that's breaking at the moment. You know the situation where we people going blind, we, they can't afford to give them 15-minute procedure in this country. And now we're talking about adding more people, there's people in horrific pain on waiting lists. There's, the, the, the issues here are endless, and I don't think our state has stood up properly here to look after the, our own people first before we start bringing more people into a system that's creaking at the very at this present time jump up and do you feel when you mentioned the racism remark there yourself uh, do you feel people when you speak like this people are saying oh Michael Collins you're a racist because you give me your view just a text I hear saying Michael Collins is telling it as it is look after our own first we are a small country while Deirdre is saying unfortunately if anybody 
even suggests what Michael and Noel Grealish have said. They are condemned and they are called racist. However, anybody I speak to privately will say what Michael is saying, but no one will say it publicly. This is the case too for a lot of elected representatives who will tell me that they are in favour of direct provision. But still, once they are interviewed, they will all be in favour. Do you think that is a stance out there, Michael, that people do want to help migrants coming into this country? but it has to be done in the right way and if anybody speaks out the racism card is thrown at people Oh it is yeah well I mean that's the easy thing is to throw the racism card and that'll be thrown at me you now after the, after this interview or whatever I said over the weekend but I ain't going to stand over what I said because I know that the way they've been treated I know also the way the Irish have been treated in their own country and they need the vast improvements along that line before we can start looking at bringing people from all over the world I've had foreign nationals working for me so I don't have a, I don't have any issues of racism. I get great friends actually uh, with, with many with many of them. I'm not a racist. I won't be. A, I'm, I'm, people can call me what they want, but I want to stand up for our own people first. Where are the people that are standing at the gates outside the factory in Benham today? That even after a deal being done, known that they're going to be working at a loss, knowing they're going to lose their farms, knowing they're going to lose their homes. This is what we need to look at first Mm. before we start bringing And as I said, if you want to bring in some, bring them in in a very, very controlled and fair manner to them. So there's one or two families in a town and they can integrate easier and and live live in that community and work in that community. Not in an influx, a high influx of people into a very small rural community and where they don't have the services, where the people themselves are locked into a place where they're getting very little money and, and hungry. And that's the bottom line. That's what's happening. And our state is is, is, is wrong um, in its way it's treating its own people and it's certainly wrong in bringing more into a, a crisis situation in many places in this country. And when it comes to the political fallout from this and what has been said by Noel Grealish and what you're saying now uh, over the weekend the Justice Minister Charlie Flanagan he said he was very disappointed at the comments that were made in Galway by the independent deputy Noel Grealish and also at the Fine Gael thinking last week in Gary Vaux uh, the Taoiseach had this to say to reporters. I think in that context it would be, it'd be helpful if he clarified it exactly what he did say and what he meant. We don't have a formal agreement with him. Um, he does vote for us most of the times, but not not all the time. But certainly in relation to, you know, people coming from Syria and so on, you know, you know these are refugees. These are people who are fleeing uh, a war-torn country. Um, they're not people who necessarily want to be in Ireland um, or, or want to be in Galway. Uh, they've nowhere else to go. So from a political point of view, Michael, on what he said, do you think he should apologise for the politics side of things and for him being an independent I, well, to be quite honest with you, I, I think that's very weak words uh, from Taoiseach for Edkin because I can guarantee you before the week is out, they'll be knocking on Noel Grealish's door because he supports the government. I don't support this government, but he does support this government in every way, shape and form. And they'll be knocking on his door for support this week and they'll have forgotten all about our refugees and everybody else uh, when they need that vote. So I, I wouldn't believe anything that the Taoiseach had to say in that interview. He was ticking a box, of course, just trying to be politically correct. But at the end of the week, they'll, and, and same with Minister Flanagan, they'll have their arms around Noel Grealish uh, going forward because they're so desperate for that vote. I, I Personally, um, I, I've told you, um, Noel Grealish probably said maybe a couple of words out of hands, you know, in the heat of a moment. It can happen at a meeting. But the, in, in general, 
in general what he was trying to communicate out is that this country uh, and these small towns and these small places can take this heavy influx of people and we've got to look after and I only say this and I've said this all, uh, many times in this interview we have a, a creaking health system we have people homeless we have people sleeping in cars and vans in this country that can get a room that can get a home we have young children without houses we have young families crammed into one room in a hotel in this country we have got to start looking at our own crisis before we start looking at the other crises around the world Okay, before I let you go Michael we spoke uh, briefly in the last hour to Helen O'Sullivan from the Beef Plan Movement on what was agreed yesterday now no longer agreed as individual farmers are not happy as the base price for beef uh, has not been decided on and a question that has come in quite a bit this morning and one here for you Michael from Tim and it is really putting everything in the context of what's happening with this uh, beef movement and how farmers are protesting Tim is asking is there a serious move now to put smaller holdings out of business and have everybody or all of them owned by just a few ranchers as in basically have just big farmers and the small farmers just move aside is that what is trying to happen now in the farming world John Paul that that is not just happening now this has been happening for a number of years and I have have brought this up when I was in the council I brought this up when I was in well since I got into the dog that we have um, there is a wipeout of the small uh, Irish agricultural farmer um, going forward into an absolute disaster for local communities because there's 80,000 uh, beef farmers out there uh, probably in the region of spending 30,000 in their local community uh, the, the, the fallout from this is, is quite devastating um, unfortunately I think that the, these bilateral discussions I was at the factory last night I spent some time with the workers I sorry with the protesters the peaceful protesters I must say uh, and have been peaceful for the last number of weeks but I were very very upset and very very frustrated at what has happened here I think that these bilateral discussions weren't the greatest thing in the world if you can't bring people the man the woman around the table to discuss uh, the future for Irish farming it says it all doesn't it it shows you the strength of the retailer and it shows you the strength of the fact that the minister himself couldn't get them all around the table talking farm organisations I think they should have come back to get this approved by the farmer they didn't they approved it themselves at the top levels I think they need to be talking to the people on the ground that hasn't been happening Um, and I think that instead of concluding they should have brought back the findings and the negotiations should have continued and not ended on the, on the, on the proposals that are being put forward. And I think there's where mistakes have been made. I know people were tired. I know it's going on a long, lengthy period of time. It didn't need to happen, to happen John Paul, because there, was a, there were discussions two to three weeks ago. That's when the, time, the discussions should have started. We should have had then updates and, and agreement and try and bring the people that are very, very upset. As I said earlier in this interview, there is people losing their farms. There is people losing their homes. They can't pay bills. There's a, there's a grant coming out this week for farmers. The first grant maybe the year. They're not going to get 100%. They're going to get 80%. There's contractors begging for money. There is creamery screaming for money. There is there is banks screaming them for money. These men are and women are very close to the edge. Well, we'll wait and see what happens, Michael, because it is going to continue and protest continuing this morning in many factories right across the country. For the moment, thanks for joining us. That is Independent Deputy for Cork South West, Michael Collins, uh, initially discussing the backlash his colleague in Galway is facing over comments on asylum seekers. And Michael's view is we look after our Irish first and then everybody else coming into this country is look after, following we look after our own because... 
as he said, we have people who are living in cars, who can't buy houses, look after the Irish first and look after everybody else second. Uh, do you agree with him on that? 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And Michael, uh, who is in Castletown Bear, says, I have no problem with asylum seekers coming into this country, providing that they go to work immediately or within three weeks or so. Three weeks and if they then commit any crime after that, or there's no fines or anything like that, uh, if they do commit any crime uh, and if they basically, you know, you don't give them a fine, don't put them into prison, put them straight back to the airport and back to their own country. The latter should be applied to all people from abroad who are here, says Michael. So would you agree with Michael on that? Uh, Again, if asylum seekers come to this country within three weeks, for example, they must be working. But if they do commit any crime, don't issue fines or prison straight back to the airport and back to their own country and the latter as Michael says should apply to everybody who's from abroad working or living in this country uh, your views are that are welcome uh, Michael on WhatsApp to 86 2103 and Heidi earlier on WhatsApp asking about oil prices because uh, and she's worried that fuel prices would increase because of the attack on Saudi Arabia's oil fields. And as Heidi says, you know, any excuse for them to rise the prices? Well, uh, there could be, and this is news coming out this morning, there could be a rise at the petrol pumps following uh, the jump in the cost of oil. And that is over the attacks on those uh, Saudi Arabian facilities on Saturday. Uh, the attacks knocked out more than 5% of the global world supply. Now, the States, the United States says it's lost and loaded to respond and they are being supported in uh, Yemen Uh, but the state said they are ready to respond to what is happening over in uh, Saudi uh, Arabia because of what has happened with the cost of oil and indeed the attacks on uh, the oil supplies there anyhow despite what's happening worldwide the majority of our listeners want to know what's happening at the petrol pumps and Conor Faulkner spoke to us earlier this morning and he says an increase in petrol prices really depends on the price of crude oil so if it stays up over 70 dollars per barrel well then we know that's a retail price increase in the post to us coming down the tracks and we'll get it in a few weeks but more commonly you'll get volatility in the crude oil price and this may not be sustained so we kind of have to wait and see so will the saudi oil incident affect us at the pumps at the moment right now the answer seems probably yes and according to a lot of our listeners, the price of petrol has gone up this morning by three cents. I'll get to those comments after midday, but our views on that, Conor Faulkner saying that, unfortunately, we will see so far going on what we're hearing from Saudi Arabia, the price of petrol and diesel will increase at the pumps. Your views welcome, 1850-333-103. On the way next, we're going to hear about a big and a major beach cleanup across East Cork. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And the annual call to action on our coast takes place this weekend, especially in East Cork as part of the Clean Coast Programme. Worldwide, over one million volunteers take part in this. And I'm joined by Sinead from Clean Coast who looks after and is discussing this this morning with us. Sinead McCoy, good morning to you. Good morning, thanks for having me on. And first of all, despite all the warnings and reports of dumping, still we see people who do this every day along our coastline. I know we have rubbish and plastic items that wash up on shore, but a lot of people when they go visiting the beach at weekends in particular do leave rubbish behind, which is a a big no-no, especially for those in the local area who will be on the beach seven days a week, not only two days at the weekends. 
Yeah, exactly. We have a huge um, community spirit along the coastline of people going out and doing these um, uh, beach cleans with us throughout the year, not just this weekend. Um, and unfortunately, there is people who will still drop rubbish um, or leave it behind. I just think that it's too inconvenient to take um, the rubbish back with them. Um, so we do the the message behind all of these beach cleans and all these call to actions is, is all as always. Please remember to take all your rubbish with you, all your items with you when you leave the beach. And you mentioned there over the, the last number of years this has become a, an annual event but also every weekend we know across East Cork and Cove and areas of Yall this happens day in day out where there is volunteers cleaning up the beach. A lot of publicity on plastics over the last while. Do you see or do you hear from those who are doing those beach cleanups an increase in plastic that they collect either by people dumping rubbish or indeed plastic just floating in off the sea? Yeah we hear from the groups that this plastic is the big thing that the groups come back to us on um, and there, there is so many active groups especially like I said down in the Cork region um, and they all come back to us oh we always get the plastic the amount of uh, plastic items that come in on the tide as well because they're light you know, plastic is a very light material so it's easy like a lot of it will come in um, but unfortunately the, what we're seeing on the coastline is only about 20% of what's actually in the ocean itself they say that um, 20% is on the, the surface of the water um, with 80% being below the water so it's only it only shows a snapshot of what actually is in our oceans um, and in the water and that's affecting marine life and something else that always comes up in the show as well is cigarette butts and they can always be contained in plastic filters as well uh, along with food wrappers that is something that unfortunately we have seen here in Cork on the increase over the last two or three years again despite the education warnings that have gone out from the likes of yourselves and indeed local councils by the way of adverts yeah, we have the, the cigarette butts are something that just we keep trying to tackle, and it's really message is not getting across to the wider public. It's sort of seen as an acceptable type of litter. You know, if you're standing next to someone who throws cigarette butts on the ground, people don't react as much if they were dropping a different type of litter. Um, so we really try to get it out there um, as much as possible when we take out corporate groups or when we take out even um, those community groups that are very aware. Um, we do try to just really get that message home. Um, and we try to just point out to people on any beach clean that we do the amount of cigarette litter that's on the ground. Um, it's always on every walkway um, next to the beach. Up on the, it comes in on the tide as well. It's, it's, it's and it is they're they're small pieces of litter. They're very bright as well because they're they're white. And they not only do they pollute the water, um, but they also then can be ingested by marine life. Yeah, Marion, uh, who lives near a beach in East Cork, says what a nice her is. You see people visiting and one of the bins, for example, could be fun or full after a very busy day at the beach. People will still try and stuff in their rubbish into the bins instead of taking it home. Of course, then the rubbish with a bit of wind flows out mm. and does more damage. Is it something you would like people to do when they go visit a beach to, if they see rubbish, to go around and just pick it up and bring it home with them? Yeah, we have a really simple campaign that we've um, talked about. There's a few campaigns that are similar. It's um, two-minute beach game. And it's just basically every time you go down to the beach, every time you're enjoying the beach area, just as you walk back to the car, just do two minutes, pick a few things up, put them in the car and pop them in the bin when you go home. Um, if you do see overflowing bins, like you said yourself there, it's just just take the rubbish, your own rubbish home with you and put it in your own bin. Um, we just want to protect our, our beach area and just be a little bit aware of how our actions will affect that environment. Um, so, yeah, if you put it next to an overflowing bin, chances are the wind is going to pick it up and it's going to actually spread across um, across the beach. And have you volunteers for this weekend? I know there's a lot already, but are you still looking for oh, more yeah. volunteers? 
Yes, we are. We have a, a lot. So we, we have a, this, this year is bigger than we even expected. Um, we have over 270 registrations for the Big Beach Clean, of groups that are going out to clean up. So that's fantastic. That's amazing. We're kind of in, in awe of the amount of people who want to get involved. But um, as of today, we'll we'll update our map on the website and, and we'll also be directing people to those cleanups and asking people if you if you want to get involved to join one of the cleanups that are registered. Um, and over the course of the week, we'll put up more and more events um, as we have the final details on our Facebook page. Um, so just keep an eye on our social media. And if you have any questions as well on like beach cleans close to yourselves, um, we can just, just email us and, and we'll let you know what's happening. But one thing I did want to actually mention in particular was that this weekend, uh, this Friday, we're doing our flagship or launch um, beach clean down in Garavaux Beach. And it's an open beach clean. Please come along. There's um, uh, details on our Facebook page. There's an event, right? You can just let us know you're coming. Um, and we're doing it with Collie and Scully who have supported us this year for the Big Beach Clean. Um, they're coming out. They're going to provide soups and lunches to everybody that come and help us um, clean up the East Cork region. And that's in Gary Vaux this Friday, that's, is yeah. it? That's Gary Vaux this Friday at 11 o'clock. But just let us know. We have all the details up on our Facebook. So we have an event, right? Going for it. And uh, Facebook is the Clean Coasts. Clean goods, yeah. And very finally, I, I was reading on your Facebook about this marine litter data card. Just tell me a bit about this for those who will be taking part. Yeah, so everyone that's uh, taken part, we've let them know that this is actually a citizen science project this weekend. Um, so we're asking people to let us know what you actually collected on the beach. Um, this this is then fed back. Um, like you said, this, this weekend is, is a million volunteers. It's actually an international cleanup. So we collect this data and it informs how we work next year, like where we focus our work as Clean Coast. But it also then is fed into the Ocean Conservancy um, database and it will be um, part of the reporting internationally as well of what's landing on different beaches around the world. And it will hopefully inform policy, but it definitely inform as well as NGOs and, and how we work and how we target our work. So we're really excited for that, especially now that we have over 270 groups out cleaning. Uh, we should have a huge amount of data and, and be able to kind of really tell people what's on the beaches and what and kind of do a lot more targeted action for it. Yeah, and gives a good insight to what has actually been been dumped and how to educate people. For the moment, Sinead, best of luck with Gary Vaughan Friday and overall across the country with Clean Coast. That is Sinead McCoy there, who is Clean Coast Manager. A lot of calls and comments coming in regarding what Michael Collins, uh, the Corks West Independent Deputy, uh, was saying about taking in migrants into this country, asylum seekers coming into this country. It follows on from what the Galway TD Noel Grealish said uh, over the weekend, but my Michael feels we should have some system in this country whereby it's Irish first and everybody else after that. Do you agree with her or not? A lot of comments coming in. I must say the majority of comments agreeing with what Michael has said. Also comments on the increase in fuel prices. More on what what we thought was a reach with the farmers yesterday and agreed with the farmers yesterday. Not so much now though. More of your comments coming in on the base price for beef at factories. And we'll be discussing uh, with uh, local city councillor Des Cattle the future of the RTE studios in Cork. More so, should we keep regional television studios in Cork? So public service broadcasting represents us here in the south or not? Uh, that and more to come between now and one. And our lines are open. 1850 333103. 1850 333103. Our lines are open. And Annalisa Drizel from the Health Hub in Banning College, which will join us, as she does every Monday, just after 12.30. Any nutritional questions you have for Annalisa, get them into us right now. You can call Bernie on 1850 333103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 086 
103-103. Any questions you have uh, nutritional-wise for Annalise that should be on after 12.30 uh, this afternoon, so get them into us and we'll put them to Annalise later in this hour. Uh, a lot of more co- comments coming into us on various issues. Just going back to an item we were discussing uh, earlier on the show, and this was uh, regarding the Galway to D Noel Grealish on the backlash he was facing over comments he made regarding asylum seekers coming into this country, especially in his own area of Uchtdraad in County Galway. He felt that many asylum seekers here were coming in and sponging off the state. Well, uh, Cork South West Deputy Michael Collins, uh, while he supports them, he feels that there should be a case for Irish people first in this country and then we look after everybody else. Uh, he said he's not being racist by saying that, but that's just the way it should be. He spoke to us earlier on in the show. A number of comments have come in following Michael uh, speaking to us and the majority actually agree with what Michael Collins said. Eileen on Bear Island saying, I totally agree uh, with Michael Collins. You should and we should here in this country look after our own first. We need to wake up and see what's on our own doorstep. Uh, Julie says, agree with Michael. He is correct in saying our culture is slowly being taken away from us. I don't see this happening in any other countries across the world. While John says, in a way, what I don't agree, agree with Brexit, you can see why the Brits are doing what they are doing. Go to London or speak to any Londoner and they're disgusted the way their city has gone. Uh, even though it is multicultural, they feel London people have been pushed out of their own city, uh, says John. Uh, while a, a lot of people saying the same, agreeing with Michael, uh, in regards to migrants coming into this country and asylum seekers, a texter here says, in every village on the side of every rural road there are wrecks of derelict houses that once had fine solid walls. Now these should be used to house people from somewhere be that Darndale or Dakar if the Irish don't want them. So welcome in the asylum seekers but house them properly and redo those derelict houses and indeed some uh, houses uh, within housing estates which were maybe not sold in very rural areas and are still there. If, if we are bringing these people into this country, asylum seekers that is well then house them properly Uh, and the one thing coming from Michael's conversation was a lot of people do not agree with direct provision Uh, and they feel it might be a money making racket for certain people but it's very unfair for us as a country to welcome in asylum seekers uh, this text by Rita and then basically put them into a hotel whereby they have basic accommodation yes they can come and go when they want but it's very basic accommodation I feel that is unfair on asylum seekers if we are bringing them in, surely we can house them properly but not putting them into direct provision. Another texter saying, I fully agree with Michael Collins. We should, of course, look after our own first. I don't think these foreign countries would give us Irish priority if we went to their countries looking for a roof over our heads. And also, a fair play to Michael and other TDs who are standing up for the farmers. Uh, this texter feels that maybe the, the Fianna Gael government, Crete and the IFA, along with the meat factories, he, fe- he feels they're all the same. They don't give a damn about rural Ireland. When will they realise the farmers have pride in what they do and won't be bought like many of them, says that particular listener. And more on what is coming out from what Michael Collins said on Irish First and everybody else coming into this country. Second, uh, Texas here says the country responsible for bombing people out of their homes should be the ones looking after them. We here in Ireland never attacked or destroyed their country. And Sandy on text saying a reward for work. That was what Dan Breen uh, allegedly said uh, the way the 
poor Irish were being treated by the Irish government at that time. This is going back now. It uh, wasn't Dembreen, um, an Irish Republican, so it's going back a good bit. But what he was saying was that a lot of the Irish fought for and were seriously wounded fighting against the British. Well, Sandy Fields, I think nothing much has changed. Just publicity, hype and big function appearances and waffle by government and big industry and beef barons, says Sandy, when we look at news today uh, compared to news yesterday. And Tim, on bringing asylum seekers into various parts of rural Ireland, Tim says, I might seem to want to turn the clock back, but I am all for diversity and I welcome anybody to rural communities but the newly settled must try and fit in. Gaeltacht areas in particular have been undermined too much by the willingness to let Irish people speak English and take over uh, and then of course while you have asylum seekers coming in they will also learn the English language over the Irish when they're living in Gaeltacht areas says Tim. While Dorothy says, I don't agree with Michael Collins' comments on Irish First. I feel it should be a very fair society we live in for all, as we are all on one world, under one roof, so to call it. But I do agree on what he says and how we treat those migrants coming into this country. I feel those in direct provision are treated in a very bad way and I feel that is wrong. But I do not agree with him regarding Irish First. I feel Everybody who comes into this country should be treated equally along with the Irish. Uh, some of your calls and comments in regards to what we discussed with Michael Collins earlier on the show and regarding the farmers and the reaction to well, the talks, the agreement we thought was uh, happening or happened yesterday afternoon. Now farmers remain on the picket line as they're not happy with what was agreed as farmers still want a base price for beef which they did not get at those talks yesterday. Uh, Dennis says the farmers that they can't survive what they are getting I'm going to repeat my suggestion I texted into your show last week and tell the farmers to plant trees pull up solar panels and wind turbines no sympathy for the for poor farmers here says Dennis on text 86 while John in North Cork is a farmer and he says that there are 600,000 cattle due to be processed in Ireland. If they don't go to the factories, how are we going to feed them for the winter? Also, farmers need the cash to keep the business and to keep in business, uh, says John in North Cork. While Timothy in Donrell is a farmer and he says this agreement has had anything to do with Larry Goodman's live export last week from Northern Ireland to England, which is to be board be approved and imported back into Ireland. English farmers have an advantage over Irish farmers says Timothy and Donrell because the age difference cattle can be slaughtered. Any animal over the 30 month age limit is penalised here but they could be sent to England and board be approved them and then sent back here again. Uh, so Timothy wondering is that or is that got anything to do with the agreements reached yesterday? going on the different rules and regulations in the UK uh, compared to here and is that why there was some uh, agreement reached on uh, yesterday which we know now even though there was an agreement reached individual farmers aren't happy with that agreement and they continue to protest meaning things really haven't changed with the whole situation and regarding fuel and we heard how the attacks on the oil rigs in Saudi Arabia how they are going to increase fuel prices over the next while we should not be seeing any increases though uh, as the AA have said earlier no increases should be seen anyhow until maybe two or three weeks time if there is going to be increases well Jim in Whitegate says petrol stations in Middleton have put up their prices by three cents already today following the attack on the oil fields. But 
their oil is already in stock so should be staying the same price for a while yet so people uh, Jim says should shop around indeed uh, and that you see will happen and the prices may go up but that could be just a coincidence now they have gone up in Middleton I'm not too sure uh, but Jim is warning people to shop around for your diesel and petrol prices and on the CCTV we discussed the Middleton being switched off due to GDPR basically on who is storing the footage of those walking around the streets in Middleton there's an issue over that for data protection well Frank says this CCTV issue is making it open season for the criminals we should be able to protect our citizens in this country but sometimes it's like we are protecting the criminals. A uh, fair point, Frank, on phone to Bernie on 1850-333-103. And we mentioned there about the beef and the Borbia and indeed uh, the uh, beef coming from the UK back into Ireland. And a lot of people were asking, well, how is this possible? How can uh, Borbia do this? when the beef is coming from the UK into Ireland and the beef isn't being processed here well Borbia did come out over the weekend and they have said that they've issued reassurances to customers over quality controls as the beef dispute continues Uh, Borbia say it's aware that some Irish beef products have been processed at plants outside the Republic of Ireland in order to secure our continued supply it says though the practice is being carried out with fully traceability quality assured local guidelines allowing consumers the option to continue buying Irish when availability issues affect certain retailer supplies. So that's what has come uh, from Borbia, uh, from those wondering how they can get around s- supplying the beef from the UK, saying it's Borbia approved uh, when it hasn't actually been processed here in the factories basically due to the animals not being allowed into factory gates right across the country. Anyhow, uh, that's what Borbia came out with across the weekend. Um, your calls and comments are welcome. 1850 More comments and I'll get to those shortly. Uh, keep your questions coming for Annalisa as well. Uh, she joins us within the next 10 to 15 minutes if you have a nutritional question for her this afternoon. Annalisa Giselle from the Health Hub in Ballycottig joins us. You can get those questions into us now. 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 but over the weekend on the Irish Daily Mail uh, they had a story of how RTE is to sell its Cork studios and certain uh, members of local council are unhappy with this not mainly because of well they are obviously from an RTE point of view there's a worry but more or less for public service broadcasting and a commitment here to the southern region and to Cork uh, for even though it's not local television but it is television produced outside of Dublin and that is something that you always hear from people when you refer to TV is that it's very Dublin centric well could it get more Dublin-centric if the state broadcaster decides to sell its Cork studio? Of course, all of this is being done because they are in trouble financially. A lot of media organisations are in trouble financially because of the changing advertising um, model in this country and indeed not only here but across uh, the world you could say at this stage the way things are changing when it comes to advertising given the rise in social media anyhow we'll discuss that shortly but uh, discussing that I mentioned it earlier we have uh, a few comments in on this and mainly all summed up uh, by Tim in Carrick Tools who says why don't uh, they sell TG Carr instead and then cut the wages in RTE they are paying far too much wages so by either selling TG Carr and cutting wages 
wages, surely that will reduce the cost for RTE and they could keep their Cork studios. Anyhow, discussing that uh, shortly, your views are welcome. 1850 333 103. And Billy in Lep was on to us over the weekend. And this is regarding the roadworks between Lep and Skibbereen. Now, these particular roadworks, they seem to be finished anyhow. Uh, all the machinery is gone off the roadway, says Billy. Yet the 60k speed limit remains. So the road is now finished. It's in good condition. But Billy wants to know, if I drive 100k, will I be done for speeding? Or what is the speed limit if the works are done on that road and the 60k signs are still up. Should those signs be removed? Or if I go 100k with no road works but the signs are up, will I be penalised? Well, we have contacted Cork County Council on that. We are waiting a response on the official speed limit on that stretch of road. When we get that response from the council, we'll bring that to you. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And keep your questions coming for Annalisa. Any nutritional questions you have, she'll join us in the next 10 minutes. You can call Bernie 1850-333-103. Lines are busy, so bear with us on the phone lines, but you can always text as well. You'll get through maybe faster on text or WhatsApp. You can text 0862-103-103. Any questions from Annalisa, who join us from the Health Hub in Balancholic shortly. Uh, all your nutritional questions will be answered, hopefully, anyhow, by Annalisa in the next uh, 10 minutes or so. Going back to the beef situation, first of all, Tom and Castle Marshall is saying, which is better for us? Irish beef, which is fully traceable, or Brazilian beef, which is non-traceable? I think we know the answer to that one, uh, Tom, in uh, Castle Marshall. While also on other issues coming in and going back to what we discussed regarding the asylum seekers and Michael Collins, the Corks of West Deputy View of Irish first and everybody else second, a WhatsApper here is saying that Michael Collins is always on the number side. He will always say what's popular with the people and never comes up with any answers, says that particular WhatsApper. While a number of people in support of that particular idea of basically having a ruling that the Irish get looked after first when it comes to housing or whatnot in this country or jobs and then everybody else who has arrived in this country would get looked after uh, following the Irish person being looked after. A lot of people agree with that particular idea. Tom in Bantry says our own people should come first. He sees a lot of non-natives getting on council houses and then uh, getting the actual house. Now they could be ahead of Irish people on the council list but I presume Tom means that even if they are the Irish should come first that happens in other countries so why not happen here in this country and Jerry says it's disgraceful the way that asylum seekers are allowed into this country at all the British the French and the Dutch all colonised countries we never colonised anyone we should why should we have to take these people in we are giving up our health and education and housing services to facilitate these asylum seekers Uh, says Jerry while uh, another Jerry agrees with Michael but does feel that direct provision is the wrong way to go Uh, Anne says it's all fine and well to talk about asylum seekers coming into this country but someone is making money somewhere who is running these direct provision centres who is buying these hotels and converting them into direct provision centres there's money to be made and that needs to be looked into I think in 10 or 20 years and says and it was mentioned before this could be a big scandal uh, facing our particular country especially if so many people were making money out of those poor misfortunate asylum seekers who were coming here fleeing war and are people using them in this country for money Good point, Anne. Uh, thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. 
while Bridget disagrees with Michael and uh, callers, she says and she feels that the Irish went to so many countries over a number of years. Yes, the Irish worked hard, but we were still accepted into society. So if that is the case, we should allow migrants to come into our country, welcome them and stop this nonsense. We are in 2019. We are an open society. So welcome in asylum seekers. Yes, direct provision is wrong, but house them in local communities. Uh, you had a texter earlier who was on about uh, houses and derelict houses on roadsides. Why not do these houses up and let asylum seekers live in these small rural areas that are dying? It will revive these areas and maybe bring back rural Ireland as it seems our own Irish don't want to live in rural Ireland. Uh, just some of your comments coming in regarding uh, Michael's comments on Irish First and everybody else Second, Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Uh, we were supposed to speak uh, concerns coming in about the, the RTE studios uh, being sold or due to be sold off in Cork. Uh, we're just having problems getting through to Councillor Des Cattle. It was a story that was on the Irish Daily Mail yesterday. Uh, an exclusive story by them but it is something that a lot of people are asking about the budget cuts from the state broadcast there but there is concern that in Cork because if it was to go in Cork uh, would you see a reduction then in regional output and shows that are filmed from outside of Dublin and in the southern region and in the west of Ireland anyhow if we don't get to that particular story today we'll return to it tomorrow on the show but your views are welcome on that 1850 333 103 and on the idea of petrol prices going up and Margaret says Already I have seen petrol prices increasing this morning. My local petrol station has gone up by two cents. So maybe they heard the news and they're pushing up prices. Well, it shouldn't happen for two or three weeks because the oil prices for us here in Ireland, even though there was an attack on the oil rigs in Saudi Arabia over the weekend, that we should see no difference here until two or three weeks time but so many people around this morning saying that uh, their local petrol station is increasing the prices anyhow we, we shouldn't see that but if they are uh, they are and it could be for a total different reason altogether nothing to do with the prices um, not too sure but the AA have said there's no reason for any petrol station or diesel station to increase their prices we could see though uh, prices increasing within the next two or three weeks and that looks like as the day goes on it looks like a certainty that that will happen in the next two to three weeks anyhow we'll wait and see what comes from that 1850-333-103 keep your questions coming now for Annalisa your nutritional questions she'll join us next or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Court today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 And I just want to congratulate a doctor in the Bear Peninsula because we got a message in from a number of people this morning, including Michael in Castletown Bear, because the whole of the Bear Peninsula would like to congratulate Dr. Fiona Kelly on receiving her award over the weekend for Best Rural General Practice of the Year. What an outstanding award for this young female GP. She is one of the very few left in Ireland of a group that qualified with her. The others are scattered all over the globe. With so many older GPs retiring, leaving GPs thinner on the ground, especially in the Bera Peninsula, 
people do not realise how lucky they are to have a GP of the quality of Dr Kelly. I would like to wish Dr Fiona the very best of luck in the future and indeed the future years in Beira in her practice as she's a tough battle ahead of her says Michael in Castleton Beira and indeed others who have been on to us from the Beira area. So well done uh, to Dr Fiona Kelly on receiving that award over the weekend from Beira and winning Best Rural General Practice of the Year for the entire country going to Beira. Well done there uh, to Dr Fiona and a lot of course of people when it comes to GPs are trying to access as a GP as we have discussed in rural areas. Now let's go on and look at nutritional advice as we do each and every Monday because Annalisa Giselle from the Health Hub in Banning College joins me. Good afternoon to you Annalisa. Good afternoon John Paul. And a lot of questions in so keep your questions coming. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and we have a few questions in about sleep Annalisa and a lot of people feeling or having problems anyhow it seems getting to sleep. Uh, one from Mary who says have you any advice for a person who finds it really difficult to get a few hours sleep together? Uh, finding it difficult just to switch off the brain and I have a few more questions uh, in the same line as Mary. So what advice if you have, if you're stressed I suppose Annalise there, you're finding it hard to switch off yeah. uh, how can you do that? A lot of I'm, people find that these days. I'm, I'm a, it's a massive problem John Paul. I think probably um, I'd say one out of every five people coming into the shop here I think it's, it's with sleep problems and it's a lot to do with lifestyle, very very busy lives, a lot of stress trying to balance and juggle work and children and families and parents and just life in general so the brain is just so busy all of the time that it finds it very hard to wind down at night um, so um, the other reason then is that sleep can go that's very common for women too is menopause so a lot of women will notice that their sleep gets very disturbed when they start going through the change so I suppose if it's a change related sleep problem the best thing to do really is to work at the core of the problem which is the hormone imbalance and take a supplement that supports um, you through the menopause. So the typical ones would be things like sage is wonderful. Um, if you're waking up a lot at night with hot sweats and night sweats, sage is nearly the best remedy for the sweats. And then lots of the other menopause supplements have got plant-based estrogens in there. And what they'll do is they'll prop up your dropping estrogen levels um, in a very mild and safe way. So they can help balance, rebalance the hormones kind of at the root level. So that might be a way of tackling hormone-related sleep problems. But then for everybody else, I think it's about trying to get the brain to stop at night. And there's a couple of herbs that are wonderful for that. So we're all familiar with chamomile tea. That's one. There's another called lemon balm, or melissa is the name of the herb. Sometimes it's called by it's called by both names. Um, that's great as well for just stopping that busy brain. L-theanine is another one. That's an amino acid that is extracted naturally from green tea. So you could try a cup of green tea at night if you don't drink too much of it because there is caffeine in there. But you can also buy L-theanine. And a lot of the sleep remedies will contain things like L-theanine, chamomile, passiflora, um, lemon balm. They're all natural ones. Magnesium, some people find very good as well. The one that's particularly good for sleeping at night is the magnesium glycinate. It's, that's great if you're stressed because glycine um, promotes one of the relaxing neurotransmitters in the brain. And then the last thing that I'd recommend is valerian and hops. Um, they come in different remedies as well for sleep. I know that Dr. Vogel does a sleep called Dormiazan, D-O-R-M-E-A-S-A-N. You'll get it in any health shop. And that's very, very good for stopping the brizzy brain. And the last one that I always get great feedback and great success with is the Dr. Delish Clare Relax Blend. 
And I take that probably about a half an hour before going to bed. And if you wake up in the middle of the night with the racing mind, you can take it again. And as you mentioned magnesium there, just to recap on one, because Anne wants to know, is magnesium good for brain fog? And which one do you recommend? So um, probably yes and no is the answer there. It, it, it might be good for brain fog if your brain is foggy because you're lacking in magnesium. So magnesium is a mineral. Uh, we get it from meat and eggs and cheese and green leafy vegetables, nuts and seeds and whole grains. Uh, but it's one that we would have an increased need for if we're very busy or very, very stressed. So if you were deficient in magnesium, you would be feeling um, very tired. You would maybe have, feel heart palpitations. It plays a big role in managing your blood pressure. So you might get heart palpitations. Your blood pressure might be affected. Um, so they would be signs and symptoms that you were deficient in magnesium. It's not generally uh, related with brain fog itself, only that if in, in the sense that, you know, if it was affecting your ability to produce energy. Brain fog is kind of a complicated one, John Paul, and um, I suppose from an naturopathic perspective, the two main reasons that people would suffer brain fog would be maybe from um, um, possibly candida and yeast overgrowth. I often see it with people who've got that and major gut problems. You'd have to do a stool test to see if that was your issue. Um, and the other reason then, of course, is again, hormonal. So you're back to either dealing with premenstrual symptom, hormonal imbalance or menopausal hormonal imbalance. So they'd be the two main reasons. But I think magnesium is always a great one for people who are stressed or very busy uh, because it does help us relax, but likewise also helps produce enough energy to keep ourselves going. Okay, and Anna wants to know, could you advise me about oxalates in the diet and do they reduce the absorption of calcium in the body? I'm very prone to cold sore viruses and my bone density has reduced a lot in the last two years. I don't like taking calcium supplements as I have a history of kidney stones, but I include calcium in my diet and I take vitamin D. Yeah, I think that's that's a very good approach and the, the long-term um evidence has shown that the long-term taking of high doses of calcium actually can increase your risk of heart disease because it can contribute to hardening your arteries. So I think it's a much better approach to get calcium from the calcium-rich foods in your diet. Um, Ideally, you wouldn't drink a cup of tea after having your dinner because tea can be high in things like tannins and then foods that can be high in oxalates like spinach and and cassava, there's other ones as well, they can also inhibit the absorption of calcium. So I think probably avoid those foods if you're prone to kidney stones because it's very likely that they are a problem for you you're not processing it. But the majority, 99% of the population, John Paul, don't start cutting those from your diet because they are very, very healthy foods. Um, in general, tea um, will will uh, contribute to like um, binding of iron and zinc and magnesium and other minerals as well. So um, I think we all like a cup of tea after our dinner, but to be honest, it's not the best thing to take if you're poor at absorption. One of the other reasons as well that you mightn't be absorbing calcium is actually that you've got low stomach acid. So you're not producing enough acid in your stomach. We need to acidify all of these minerals in order to prepare them for absorption. So um, if if you feel that you're not digesting well, if you suffer from constipation, if you feel when you eat meat, it sits there for a very long time, it's likely that your stomach isn't releasing enough stomach acid and that over the long term will contribute to osteoporosis because you're not absorbing calcium. 
Okay, and another texter here wants to know what is the best way, Annalisa, to lose belly fat? And my diet is very good, but I've no gallbladder, but I'm a stressed person, though I do take apple cider vinegar and multivitamin, fish oils, probiotic, and a digestive enzyme, but I have no weight anywhere else, just in the belly area. Yeah, it's a very difficult one, but John Paul, especially after you pass a certain age that's called the middle age spread for that very reason and lots of people will find that even if they never put weight on around the belly after menopause or for men once they reach a certain age there's nothing much they can do it's a difficult one it is there is a hypothesis that stress contributes to putting weight on around the middle and the reason being is that when you're stressed your body thinks it's in a constant state of fight or flight so it mobilizes all of the proteins and um, glucose stores from the, the liver and fat stores in order to be ready to provide your body with energy because it thinks your muscles are going to need to fight or flee. And then when that doesn't happen, it can get deposited around the stomach area. So there is a big link between stress and belly fat. Um, But unfortunately, it is also an age-related thing and it is a genetic thing. So you're either apple-shaped or you're pear-shaped. If you're pear-shaped, you're more inclined to put weight on around the thighs and the bum area. In actual fact, you're also risk of heart disease and type 2 diabetes is far less than if you're apple-shaped. Apple-shaped people often have beautiful lean legs, but they put weight on around the trunk area, and you can't fight your genetics. So the I'm not giving that lady any simple answer, John Paul, really. I would take a stress support if I were her and see would that help. Unfortunately, the only way to lose any fat in the body is to diet, but if she's no weight anywhere else, it's going to be very difficult just specifically target that area without losing weight around the rest of her body and unfortunately the stomach exercises don't really help because you're only building muscle under a layer of fat so I think try a stress support and maybe see does that help shift it Okay hopefully that works out for for our listener and Mary wants to know what is very good uh, to control hot cheeks especially her left one she wants to know could it be from the hot flushes she gets um, very likely. Um, so I think the key there, if she is getting hot flushes at the same time, it probably is. Um, especially if it's only just developed now and it's not something she's had her whole life long. So um, I think that to take something like the sage that I spoke about earlier as a as supplement for menopause is brilliant for hot flushes. And she could certainly try that. Um, for people who suffered for in the long term, I think there is, you know, genetically some people do seem to carry a lot of colour in their face and in their cheeks and there really is very little natural remedies for that. Um, It can develop further into rosacea as well, John Paul. So there is a nice face wash um, by a company called Salcura, S-A-L-C-U-R-A and they do a face wash and a gel um, called Antiac and that can be very good if your red cheeks have developed further on into rosacea. But if you just have a high colour, unfortunately, you have to blame your mother or your father for that and there's very little you can do to fight it. Okay, so blame the parents. And Mary is in a skein. Her son has a very discoloured toenails on one foot. Now, he is over 20. Could it be related to his diet? To be honest, that sounds to me, if it hasn't been from a knock and if they're yellowish, it sounds to me that he's got a nail fungus. So the best thing for fungal nail infection is um, there's two things that work very well, but the one I'm, I'm more a uh, fan of is something called grapefruit seed extract. So it's the extract from the seeds of the grapefruit. You'll buy it in a health shop. The common name for it is citricidal. 
Um, but all different health shops will have different brands. So ask for grapefruit seed extract in liquid form. And he can apply that directly onto the, 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 um, the feet and the nails. And he can also put it into warm water and do a foot soak so it gets right underneath the nails. And I would do both feet. And then in terms of his socks, they need to be washed in a very, very hot wash. You could also add some of those drops of the grapefruit seed extract in there with that. And I would actually also treat any kind of runners because the fungus can reinfect from socks and from runners as well. And I think that's probably what that is. Um, It's a very, very common thing. The second thing that is good for that is the oregano oil. Um, And you'll be able to buy that in any health shop. And that's a great topical treatment as well for fungal infection. Okay, well, just uh, under a minute to go, Annalisa. Maybe you can get to these questions fast. Uh, First of all, what did Annalisa recommend for clearing phlegm uh, from the chest a few weeks ago on the show? So either Ivy Time Complex or Plantago or the Dr. Dealish Care Mucotone Blend. And Katrina is in Tully Lease. She's coughing all the time recently. She is using a cough bottle and an inhaler, but nothing is helping. So again, I'd probably try that Dr. Dealish Care Mucotone and get a cough bottle that's got maybe some um, marshmallow in there to soften out that cough. And if that's not shifting it, maybe it's not coming from the chest. Maybe it's a dry cough coming from the stomach. Maybe it's a bit of acid reflux. So take a look at that alternatively. Very good. Annalisa, as always, thank you. A world of information there. Thanks for that. We'll chat to you next week. That is Annalisa Drizel. She operates from the Health Hub in Banning You locate her just across the way from the cinema in Banning
Miley Cyrus and Mark Ronson Nothing breaks like a heart on C103 On the way on tomorrow's show we'll be discussing clamping Have you ever been clamped in city locations or indeed at train stations discussing that tomorrow and why there should be plans to bring in new legislation to deal with clamping A lot of calls and comments coming in to us on what we discussed today on the show We didn't get to all of those We'll bring those to you tomorrow and also a lot of emails to the show we didn't get to but they'll uh, be covered on tomorrow's show Back with you tomorrow morning from 10am My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced We'll chat to you tomorrow from 10 a.m. with Cork Today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.